Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure to speak to Grace Shemaine. She is the president of the League of Women Voters Texas chapter. So she is based out of Austin. And we got into a great discussion about voter education for your kids, what you can do to set yourself up for success in voting in the uh, November election, how important local elections are, as well as national elections, and really focusing on protecting democracy and our constitutional right to vote. And we also get into the fact that it is the 100th year anniversary of the women's right to vote. And so we dig into what that means not only just for the League of Women Voters, but for all voters here in the United States of America. It's a really great discussion. Wanted to give you a little bit more information about Grace. So Grace is actually a retired pediatric nurse practitioner. She joined the League of Women Voters in 2012 and has served on the League of Women Voters Texas board since 2014. She specializes in the use of technology to support the League mission of empowering voters and defending democracy. She currently serves as president of League of Women Voters Texas and also serves as League of Women Voters Texas Advocacy Chair. So it's really great. And we're really wanting to empower people to protect democracy, appreciate their constitutional right to vote, and really appreciate what it means to be an American. And speaking of being a full, authentic person, uh, that leads us right into today's sponsor of the podcast, which is Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. And the owner of Snuffy is Nick Silvestri. He did the Detox Podcast logos, but both the regular one and the Pride Month logo. So if you like those two and you want to go support Nick, head on down to snuffy.co and I know he will appreciate it. So my conversation with Grace will be right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is Grace Shemaine. She is the president of the League of the Women Voters, the Texas division. Is that correct, Grace? Yes, that's right. I'm the president of the League of Women Voters of Texas. Perfect. There's the official title. Thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm kind of tired. I've been working so hard. It seems (laughs) like every day something is going on, some crisis that we have to overcome, and we're just working away, hoping to get to that election and onto the other side. Definitely. And, you know, I think that's that's so timely and key that you bring that up because it really does. I mean, this year, you know, I think so many people are obviously aware of the general election that we have here in the United States every four years. And so everybody was already ramping up for uh, educating themselves on voting in the primaries earlier this year and getting ready for the general election. You've got state elections, local elections, all this stuff. But then you have you know, COVID-19 thrown into the mix and, and everything is upended, you know? That's right. And it's it can be difficult 
I think, to really – so from a couple perspectives, I think it can be difficult because um, as a voter, uh, as a constituent perspective, if you're thinking about how am I voting, how can I vote safely, um, you know, you want to make sure that you've – if you're voting by mail, that you've uh, gone ahead and filled out the requisite information to get your absentee ballot, which you should already be receiving and being able to mail in um, – and then if you're voting in person, making sure that you're taking the proper precautions to protect yourself uh, to be able to to get voting and voting early if you're able to uh, in order to cast your ballot. But it's, you know, it can be difficult. And then also speaking from the from the politician's side, regardless of which level you're at, I think campaigning looks a lot different um, when you are not able to go in person, kind of door to door, so to speak, and, and meet the people that would be voting for you. And you've really got to rethink the strategy. So I'd love to really start off by getting your perspective on what has been some of the changes you've seen in 2020 with regards to both voter information, people wanting information, and then also from the politician's perspective of perhaps what you've seen as far as how they've approached uh, getting out the vote and really campaigning on their behalf. Well, it's been, it's been really interesting. And I, what I'm, what I am enjoying is seeing all the innovation that's going on. First, I enjoyed the fact that everybody has sort of stepped up their game. They really have. And I, and I am really impressed uh, about the amount of virtual voter education that is going on. So if people have access to a computer or their cell phone, then they're able to learn so much uh, using uh, the virtual devices so that they could uh, learn about the uh, general election, they could learn about the candidates, they could learn about, uh, they could go to their their county web, websites and learn uh, what's going on with the election, get information about things. So I, I'm just really excited that that organizations, that the county election officials, this, even the Secretary of State, even on occasion the governor has stepped up and really done some things that are innovative, especially in a conservative state like Texas. And so I, I'm kind of excited about it. Look, the governor gave us an extra week of early voting. That's a huge step. He not only did that, but he also uh, allowed people to turn in their vote by mail ballots in person to the county election office or one of the county election office annexes. That's a, that's a huge step. You couldn't do that in other elections except for on election day. So although we are a very conservative state and there seems to be, you know, stuff going on, those are, those, those are, that's pretty good. That's, that's not as bad as it could be. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, we had several uh, lawsuits trying to open up the league you know, we really want everybody to vote. And so we wanted, uh, and, and I actually am a retired nurse, so I really don't want people to get COVID either. So we were trying to open up vote by mail to everybody. Uh, and that, that didn't happen yet. The Texas Supreme Court, it went all the way up to the Texas Supreme Court. They said that voters get to decide if they're gonna vote by mail based on their health history and, and uh, 
if they see if they think their health they have something physically the matter with them that is going to allow them to be eligible uh, to vote by mail and it's not and the election officials uh, the counties the state do not get to ask them what that health issue is that leads them to check off disability so it, it kind of expanded uh, the word the definition of disability to meet the uh, reality of COVID so what was considered perhaps a disability before has been expanded to meet uh, to keep people safer during COVID people who have something the matter with them. So I think that was pretty, you know, for, for Texas, that's pretty exciting. Most yeah. of the other states, people can already vote by mail. But in Texas, we have a real, uh, uh, we have one of the most um, tight eligibility rules where you have to be 65 and over, you have to have a disability, or you have to be in jail, or but still eligible to vote, like like you're you haven't been convicted yet. And so, uh, for Texas, that's real tight compared to all the other states. And, right. and for Texas to the Texas Supreme Court to open it up a bit like that, I don't know. I think that's pretty. I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, it is very impressive. You know, I know that. Um... There's several states. California is most recently coming to mind as a huge vote by mail state and something that's that's traditional. And I know even, um, you know, doing some research as well um, ahead of time, knowing that California, you know, because vote by mail is so common, sometimes election results can take several days. And that's that's to be expected with regards to having them come in and tally them and everything. And and it is true that Texas has been pretty, pretty. Um, uh, like you said, pretty tight with regards to the the vote by mail restrictions, wanting everybody to go in person. Um, and I did see that that expansion happen to include folks who had a disability as a result of, or who felt they may have a disability as a result of um, coronavirus. I forget exactly the wording, um, but it it is it is open. Um, it is a little vague in the sense that, you know, one could feel like they have symptoms and maybe they don't and maybe they do and folks could ask them. So it is, I think it is a step in the right direction towards allowing everyone to vote by mail. I think we'll get there at some point. Um, I don't know if it'll be for, for this election, but I, I do think it's a, it's a good step in the right direction, you know? Step in the right direction. It also puts the, the, the decision in the voters. On yes. the, voter plate. the voters decide if they have a health condition that would be impacted by COVID that puts them at a higher risk, then they are allowed to vote by mail. They could also, and then uh, counties and uh, the governor and uh, secretary of state are also encouraging folks that have symptoms or have COVID or, you know, they have a disability or they are pregnant or something and they don't want to uh, vote by mail. Uh, they could use curbside voting too. So that, oh, wow. that has not really been talked about a whole bunch before. So I'm excited about that. So you could actually uh, get your whole family in the car and go down there and curbside vote. Though counties don't want uh, healthy people to take advantage of that because they feel like it does take longer and more uh, election workers to 
get that accomplished. So some of the, do you want me to keep going and telling you some yeah, definitely. innovative things? So some of the other innovative things that, that the county has done and that uh, the state is encouraging um, is to, everybody realizes that people 65 and older are probably the ones uh, that have been working the elections in previous elections, right? right? And so they are more vulnerable to COVID. So they are, in many cases, stepping back and they're not enough election workers. And so there's a big push by counties and by uh, the state to try to encourage more people to become election workers. And what a great opportunity that is right. for young voters or, or uh, to find time uh, if they can from their work or from their studies to go ahead and learn how to be an election worker. Wouldn't that be great? Have a whole yeah. new batch of election workers out there. It'd be wonderful. It would be really good. I remember my, uh, I grew up, my parents were both election workers here uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I have fond memories of, of when I was very little going with them to, you know, whether it was the church or the library or wherever it was voting and just hanging out in a back room with some books or whatever all day and getting to see the whole process. And it was really, you know, it was, that's what's really started my love of the, the, our you know, right to vote and getting to be educated on making sure you know all the information about the politicians. And, and I really loved, and this is, I, I, this is why I feel can be absent in current is I feel like there's not a lot of this, what I'm about to say. And I feel like when I was growing up, you know, my, my parents would be working one side of the primaries and they would have a counterpart working the other side of the line. But at the end of the day, I mean, they were, they became very close friends because they would work together to make sure that all the votes were counted, everything was tallied, everything was set up and torn down. And they're just, you know, there was a little maybe joking rivalry of, you know, I hope my person wins, I hope my person wins. But at the end of the day, you know, we were sharing dinner and we were having a conversation and we were all in this together. There was this feeling of community of we are all wanting to make one another better in our city, county, state, country better. And that's, I just had this warm feeling of this is the political process and it feels great. Yeah. You know, and so, and that's what really instilled the love of kind of politics and, and that process in it for me from a young age. And so it's a little disheartening when I don't necessarily see that um, with my fellow neighbor, so to speak. And, and so I'm hoping that, you know, if we're able to get some perhaps newer workers and, and everybody working together on the process and really coming together, then, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit optimistic in that sense and that I, I, I would like to see that type of camaraderie start, start up again. Um, Cause I think it's what's needed for all of us to, to progress and kind of, you know, live in harmony, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, democracy to me, you know, it's something we should all, support and we should all be working for it. Now we have to remember that we need to provide fair and equal access to the polls. It's so important and that's why, you know, we're encouraging businesses and churches and uh, synagogues and other organizations to, if they have a location for polling places in their community, to let their county know uh, because there really aren't enough polling places either due to COVID. And, and that's the pulling together that we all need to do uh, to support our democracy. It is not right now. Sometimes I look at it and I go, 
you know, I, I'm not a terribly sporty person, but on a, occasionally I like a football game. But I, I see sports uh, politics sometimes being like a football game, like we're win at all costs. And, and that's not it. Present, present. Of course, you should try really hard and, and support your positions. Uh, but it's not win at all costs. Democracy is the most important thing that we present our the issues, we present our position on the issues, and then the voters get to decide. But everybody needs fair, uh, equal and fair access to the polls so that we could have a fair elections. And, and so that's what, as a league uh, uh, president, that we try to do is we try to fight for voting rights and for uh, democracy. Our, our actual um, uh, mission statement uh, got changed a couple years ago, and it is fantastic. Our mission is empowering voters defending democracy. And I cannot say that without going, empowering voters, defending democracy, woo! (laughs) (laughs) So I just can't, I just think it's, it used to be this long sentence and I couldn't remember it. Now it's four words, woohoo, I got it. Right, I absolutely love that. And one of the things that I love about the League of Women Voters is y'all are the main resource for me for any election that I vote in, whether it's city, state, national, it doesn't matter. I'm going to uh, the League of Women Voters, which the site I, I that I frequent, vote411.org, that is ma- run by League of Women Voters, correct? That is, right, that- is a national uh, website where we just have our voter education on it. So voters Perfect. from any state can go there and find their election information. It's really great. Yeah, I get to put in my 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 address or my zip code. It takes me right to my ballot that I'm going to all the races that are going to be on there, the propositions, um, the specific people that are running. And, you know, there's a great interview section um, with the candidates. And I love that you can actually if there's multiple people running like you had in the primaries, you can compare and contrast the different candidates you're thinking of. So, you know, if you're depending on who you're wanting to know, say, well, I like these couple candidates. Let me see how they match up on the issues that are most important to me. And you can go down. And that's to me, my 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 prerequisites when I'm voting are did this person even respond to the League of Women Voters, first off? And if they didn't, then it's hard for me to want to vote for them. Um, But then if they did, it's what were the answers? Were they were they intelligent on the topics? Did I feel like they had my best interests in mind? Do I feel like they're going to do a good job in whatever position it is? I had a conversation with a local, um, a, a local uh, guy who was running for mayor several years ago, and he he you know we were going to the library, my wife and I, to vote, and he stopped and talked to us, and we weren't particularly necessarily pleased with the current mayor at the time, but we didn't necessarily see a reason not to vote for him. And so he's talked to us in the parking lot for a long time. And I really liked a lot of his positions. And I said, you know, I think I might vote for him. And I said, but you know, I, you know, I told him, I said, I was really hesitant to vote for you right off the bat. And he said, why? And I said, well, you had no information on the League of Women Voters. And I just, I feel like if you're not responding to that, if you don't have the time to respond to such a national organization where so many people get their information from, I'm not certain if, if your priorities are right. 
And, and he said, well, I saw that and I actually didn't know what it was. And I said, well, then you need to do some education because it's great. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't end up winning uh, for whatever. He had a good heart, but I think the takeaway for him was I should have done a lot more research with regards to the resources that are out there and not taking it for granted. And it's, I mean, but that's, that's huge for me, but you're talking about the, um, but talking about voter education, providing resources, and making sure that everybody has the opportunity to vote. I mean, we recently passed the 100th year anniversary of the women's right to vote. And so, right. And so voting was not always a right that everyone shared. So I'd love for you to talk about a little about what the 100th anniversary means um, as a woman, and then also working within the League of Women Voters, what y'all have been focused on this year. Well, it was such it's such an honor to be the president of the League of Women Voters uh, this whole year because it's a hundredth year anniversary. Last October we celebrated the League of Women Voters of Texas hundred year anniversary, and we celebrated wow. it at the um, St. Anthony Hotel where they had their very first meeting. And the St. Anthony Hotel is in San Antonio, and it's a famous historic historic site. So we went there and had lunch, had a big old celebration lunch and stuff. And it was really fun. What I have learned this year about, uh, about women's suffrage is just a huge amount. And, and it, what I want to share with people every time I talk about it is that it's not just Susan B. Anthony, and it's not just the, the people that you learn about perhaps in our narrow history classes, but that it was a huge movement. And there were people uh, specific to Texas all over Texas and uh, that were working on it. And they worked on it for years and years and years. And that would, they would, you know, only, uh, and then it would come and then it would go. It was sort of a lot of the, it was very fascinating to read about it. And if you go to the Texas Association, Texas Historical Association website, they actually have little free books you could read about it. But um, women got the right to vote a uh, hundred years ago. But when I say that, I do not mean all women got the right to vote. It says women got the right to vote, but everybody needs to be aware that uh, laws were set into place uh, to prevent uh, black people from being able to vote. Uh, and one of those was the something called the white democratic party. And then you also had to pay a poll tax and it wasn't just a $2 poll tax. It was cumulative. It added up over time. Yeah. <laughs> There's a word for that, but I couldn't spit it out. It added <laughs> up over time. And so people who uh, were, you know, poor, they, they weren't able to vote either. And, and then uh, also people who were, um, you know, Hispanic or Latinos, they, they also had uh, troubles voting just because, you know, they had the KKK was going on and there was a lot of oppression and then your employers didn't want you to vote. And so it was, it was an interesting time. It wasn't really until the Voting Rights Act in 1965 that we got a much better fair share for all people uh, to be able to vote. Um, so that was, 
It's just such a fascinating history and you really need to read about it. The people who were famous in Texas are, are like Minnie Fisher Cunningham and, uh, uh, and, who, and then some other women that were fascinating and they were big into my organizations. But remember that there were other people like the NAACP actually came about before our organization because they were fighting uh, for the right to vote. And LULAC came a little bit after our organization and LULAC is for uh, uh, Latino voters. And, and the stories are just fascinating. So I really encourage everybody to read those stories and learn about people that you may not have heard before because there are some wonderful, uh, courageous women who had to keep fighting even after uh, women got the right to vote with the 19th Amendment. Yeah. You know, and that's a good point about it, wanting to educate ourselves because one of the things we do here at the Detox Podcast is we really want to educate and empower the listeners to raise inclusive kids. But I think one of the things that I talk about is that, you know, I think we're constantly educating ourselves because you talked about the narrow history that we all have. And I mean, I know listeners are probably tired of me saying this, but I did not know about the concept of redlining until last year or two years ago. And I mean, I never heard of it. And I'm, you know, a 33 year old man or 31 at the time had never heard of this in his entire life. And I picked up to Nehesi Coates' book, We Were Eight Years in Power. And he talks about it. And I'm just like, what is this redlining? And I researched it and was like, it's right there. It is right in front of my face. And now when and you come to Dallas, can you see it happening? Yes. Oh, wow. We could really see this just looking around through community. Yeah. The difference between one street and one block and another block, it's fascinating. And it's kind of frightening. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And then just thinking about the fact that the the New Deal was able to happen because of the fact that there were some guarantees baked in for folks in the South uh, that would keep, you know, keep uh, black folks and other folks of color in specific areas. So that way, when you are redlining, which is what has happened as a result of that, you are historically keeping people down. So they're not able to, you know, previously able to vote or able to uh, get jobs that will uh, empower them to be able to go and enact these changes that they want to change. It's a way to historically keep a group of people down and less than you as like the collective you, as far as white folks or specifically even white men, um, have done and then you have now you start having people trying to make something of themselves and then you know it makes it then you have folks that are making it even harder to come and vote and how do you vote are you able to get and it just it 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 can be frustrating i will say without dipping too far into the into the political waters but it can get um a little frustrating when we're trying to make voting available to all who are able to vote and we're trying so hard with these innovative ways like you talked about curbside voting the absentee voting trying to extend it you have um, sports franchise american Airlines center here in dallas is going to be a polling place and i mean you have all of these ways in which you can bring the vote to the people but then you also have a lot of voter identification laws and a lot of other restrictions that are put into place, which is harder for folks to vote. And so it's just constant battle. And it, it can be frustrating because you once you know the historical context of how we've grown since those times of redlining and, and before 1965, 
it, it, it can almost feel a little like, well, we're, we get stuck um, and unable to move forward. But, but I think it's important to not only educate ourselves, but also continue to educate our kids. And I'd love for you to talk about what are some of the resources and ways in which the League of Women Voters are focused on educating uh, young people, either people who are about to vote or maybe kids to really instill that love of democracy and politics in them like I had. What are some of the um, uh, ventures and, and resources that y'all are doing? Well, what we're, what we're doing, one of the things we have is for... We have great uh, voter education videos and graphics, but the league will often go into colleges and in high schools and provide something called a uh, voter education called, well, in different places, it's different things, but first vote, or we have a curriculum called Be a Texas Voter, uh, and it's at beatexasvoter.org where teachers can use that curriculum and uh, provide it uh, as a resource for their, um, their students so that they can become voters. We uh, try really hard to encourage the high schools to follow the law and provide uh, all their students who are gonna be 18 uh, by election day, we provide them with information about registering to vote. Uh, legally, all high schools are supposed to do that twice a year. Uh, all, anytime you have a community with a League of Women Voters, you're going to have a community that hopefully has that some kind of a program in the high schools because we, we sit there and badger all, all those educators right. until they do what they're supposed to do, which is provide high school education. We work on curriculums in, in uh, um, like with the Secretary of State's office, we're trying to get their uh, project vote uh, education up. Uh, so that uh, more students have that available to them. It has like mock elections and things sure. for educational material for teachers to use. And that should be available in a couple of weeks. We're providing some feedback for them. I could say that if you wanted to buy a, a, a license plate, they now have a register to vote license plates available to people in Texas. And that, and the money to get, to pay for that goes towards Project Vote, which is from the Secretary of State's office. But those oh, are some awesome. of the things that we do. Um, <coughs> we work with a group called Texas Educator Votes, and it's a coalition of educator organizations. And uh, we try to encourage the educators to vote because oftentimes educators are teachers and educators and people working at schools if they're not voting those are the people you're the students are supposed to emulate and if they're not voting then the students aren't going to vote so we're trying to encourage uh, creating a culture of voting in all the schools so those are some of the things we're doing we work with colleges and community colleges it was actually the dallas community college that created our, the videos for our Be a Texas Voter oh, awesome. curriculum. So uh, we work with other organizations and schools and try to get that going. So it's it's a lot of fun. I have a good time with it. <laughs> Obviously, I have a good time with what I do. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think it was just fun and that we weren't doing a, a fantastic service for our community. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of, Speaking of our community, I think there's a lot of folks who 
I, I almost feel like there's two two groups of fo- of folks that I that I talk to typically uh, with regards to voting in in this way. And one are people who just never vote uh, and say, you know, oh, what's it going to matter? My vote doesn't matter. It's one. And then the other <laughs> class of people that I end up talking with are folks who don't typically vote in. Um, non-general election years, so not voting for local politicians or state um, senators or just U.S. senators on the off years, whatever, only voting for the president in November, not even in the primaries. And and one of the things that I've been very committed to is talking about, um, you know, I talk with my kids about voting and the importance of voting because I really want to instill that love of politics like I have. And... I am trying to tell folks that, you know, and this is the statistic that I use, and I want to talk about the importance of local elections as well as national elections and state elections. But a a statistic, I, previously, um, folks who were longtime listeners will know, I spoke to former uh, Bedford City Councilman, because that's where I'm uh, around the community that I'm based out of, Chris Brown, who was actually elected to city council at the age of 19 and served for six years on the city council. And talked about the statistics that when he won his election, he won by 80% of the vote. It was a landslide victory. However, that 80% was still 15% of the entire city's population. So he won 80% of who voted, but that's still less than 20% of the entire city's population. So you've got like 30,000 plus city and you only have 15% people voting. And that was a peak year because he was popular. Typically, it's 10,000, um, I'm sorry, 10% or less voting. And and it's hard to motivate folks, especially in local elections. It seems to me that typically elections that I see locally, if people are voting, it's typically um, retirees, folks that are um, a little bit older or have been in the community for years and years. Um, have deep ties, less younger folks, less um, young families. You know, you don't see a lot of 18 to 40, 45-year-old people voting based on the statistics. And so I want to know, what is something that folks can do to motivate either their fellow neighbor or if they are someone who's a local community organizer, what are some ways in which they can help really uh, drive home the importance of local elections versus just general elections? So... One of the, so there's different research out there. Most of the research says, which works perfect for me because it's my whole attitude, is that you should stay positive. You should not be negative and talk about how nobody votes, which you just did. So we're going to change the the conversation because I think, yes, in past elections, perhaps, there has been fewer people voting but we can all work harder at reaching out to our neighbors, our friends, our family. And if I were to talk to young people, I'd say, good God, go have a pizza party. Go to vote for one figure out who you're gonna vote for with your friends and then go vote together. Well, you can still do a lot of that virtually. Go to vote for one figure out who you're gonna vote for with your friends, make a list of who you're going to vote for, write it all down because there's, you can't open your phone in the, in the, <laughs> in right. the booth. And so take that list with you or a sample ballot or something and mark it all up and go vote and go vote together. 
stay six feet apart, social distance, wear your mask, all that stuff, but go vote together. Why? So normally the local elections would have been in May and they were moved uh, uh, by the governor uh, to the general election. So there's going to be a lot of folks to vote for. So you really have to study. You do have to do some studying. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> if you don't know anything about the candidates, then don't vote in that election. Really, don't just go based on the name because some of those guys are so sneaky. They're like, you know, the Lone Star Ranger or something. Oh, well, that's not <laughs> well, I guess I'll vote for him. Don't do that. And you really mm -hmm. look look at the candidates beforehand and and try to pick the best candidate. And that's what I would do. And it is so important to vote all the way down. You are more impacted by local politicians, local elected officials. They work for you. Think about you walking outside of your house or outside of your apartment and you go down to your car and you turn on the car, you, you start driving. You're driving on a street. Who, who takes care of that street? Who looks after the street? Who makes sure that there's a fire hydrant in your neighborhood ready to take care of you if there's a fire, right? Keep driving down that street. Are there street lights? Who did that? Well, it isn't nobody. It's all of us working together. And that's what government is. If you hurt yourself, you should be able to get to a hospital in your community. And if there's not a hospital in your community, it's because you need to work with your government and make sure that there is some place for you to go get health care. That's what government is. It's all working together. So I want everybody to just take a moment and think driving to the store, driving to the school, uh, going out to the park, going on a trail and walking. Those are all things that are there because we as a government, we as a group of people have decided that that is important to us. Right. And, and it's just, those, are, those decisions are not made by the president and they're not made by the US senators. And they're not made by the governor or the lieutenant governor. Those are made by your city council, your county commissioners, those are the people who make those decisions. So you want to try to look at the lower level elected officials, the ones that are closer to your home, and know that they're impacting your daily lives even more so than the higher up elected officials. So think about the sheriff right now with all the stuff going on. Uh, uh, the county judges are very important for making decisions about voting in elections. So, so just try to learn more about that uh, on our on Vote Four One One, and in other places you could find out what those job descriptions are. We try to provide that for everybody, just so they know. Well, what the heck is a railroad commissioner? Seriously. <laughs> so I had we had these interns, and they had to sit there, uh, and then we have interns every semester you know that come locally and they uh, had them research what all these folks did and they created little videos and so on vote for one one you could click on the video and see what a railroad commissioner does and it happens to have nothing to do with the railroad that's true 
actually do oil and gas regulation, but they've right. never changed the name, so nobody ever knows. County, what is what is some other interest? The comptroller. Well, I'm not an accountant, so I never knew what comptroller was. That's that's not in this election coming up, but the comptroller does like the budget stuff. Right. I'm sure we say it more eloquently in at vote four one one, but it's basically the budget <laughs> stuff. For a nurse, it's a stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. This has been such a great conversation. I am excited to bring you back on because this has just been an absolutely delight, especially for somebody who loves the political process as much as I do. It's just, uh, I love. I could talk about this all day. Um, but as we're starting to wrap up, I do want to ask you a final question. And that is, if there's some, if, is there one, one specific piece of information or let's 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 do this. Is there a specific outlook that you would like to leave the listeners with as we head into the general election and beyond? One specific outlook or thought process. I would say that this is our democracy, and it doesn't belong to any political party. It doesn't belong to any person who is an elected official. It is our democracy and we need to take care of our democracy and we need to grow our democracy and it is not just about my vote when i talk about our democracy it is about your vote and it's about the voter of the person perhaps who lives down the street it's about a voter who lives in their car and doesn't have a place to live it's about the everybody getting together and deciding what the future of their city and their state and their country is going to look like in the next 20 years. And so it's really important to support our democracy. I would, because this is a parent show, a parenting type show, I would say everybody needs to instill that in their children, help their children understand the process. Democracy doesn't just happen the polls, but your kids make decisions when you're when they're playing with their friends. What are we going to play next? Let's decide. Let's talk it out. Well, should we play outside? Should we play football? Should we watch TV? What do you want to do? Well, I want to do this. I want to do that. And then you come to a consensus and you decide what you're going to do. Perhaps you're going to do this first and that second. You know what that is? That's the beginning of democracy. And it makes me happy. So please uh, share democracy with your family, your kids, and your neighbors. I absolutely love that. Well, thank you so much, Grace. We are now going to go into the final segment of the show, which is my favorite segment. It's the dad joke of the week. It is a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans, but I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guest, so it works out for me. Um, but before we get started, I do always like to uh, put my guest on the spot. Grace, do you have any jokes you would like to offer up? I just know Aggie jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You can go ahead and tell one. No, I can't. I can't remember. I have always oh, okay. been terrible at jokes. Terrible. It's okay. It's okay. I want to hear your jokes because I want okay. to. Right. I need. Right. I need a laugh every day, or I'm going to have uh, just to be overwhelmed with all this election stuff. All good. All good. All right. So, um, I wanted uh, wanted to ask you, uh, Grace. How does a cucumber become a pickle? How does a cucumber become a pickle? It goes through a jarring experience. Ah. It goes through a jarring experience. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> all right uh, 
Grace, um, why did the guy get fired from a canned juice factory? Why did he get fired from a canned juice factory? I don't know. How did he get fired from a canned juice factory? Well, the thing is, he uh, he couldn't concentrate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're so bad. These are really yeah. bad dads. That is, that is the idea. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to know, um, what Grace, what is a windmill's favorite type of music? A windmill's favorite type of music? Violin, because it's kind of whiny. Oh, that's good. Heavy metal. Oh, heavy metal. Oh. <laughs> that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. All right. Well, Grace, if people want to follow you in the League of Women Voters and see what y'all are up to, what's the best way for them to do that? They should go to lwvtexas.org or vote411.org. Perfect. I'll put links to both of those in the show notes. And Grace, we need a hashtag for this episode. I have a couple of options for you. So I've got uh, hashtag stay positive, hashtag share democracy, or hashtag empowering voters. I couldn't put the full slogan as a hashtag. It's a little too long. But which one of those hashtags would you like for the episode? Empowering voters. Perfect. There we go. All right, listeners, I will be back next week with another great episode. Grace, thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was fun. Anytime. All right. Well, uh, like I said, listeners, uh, until next time. Hashtag empowering voters and hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.